Hello, kids. This is your eager beaver here um, because our eager, uh, our beaver bites shows are special. Uh, we have decided to uh, present this one to you also without interruption. So you'll get an ad at the beginning and an ad at the end, uh, but you'll get our whole show without interruption. Hey there, Mr. Grizzly. Hey, Mr. Beaver. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Hey, uh, did you get something in the mail lately? Yes. Um, Miss V Mysteries. I yeah, little... I did too. Awesome. Bedside reading. Yes. Um, for those who don't know, The Misty Mysteries is an LGBTQ plus cozy mystery series written by Delilah Knight. Miss V is 60, trans, and classy, sassy, and a bit smartassy. From her kitten heels to her chic bob, Miss V is a lady through and through. When her late aunt's lawyer is found murdered and clutching V's favorite Chanel jacket, she is immediately arrested. Can she find the real killer before the local law puts her away for good? Will she be forced to trade 50s rock and roll for jailhouse blues? Do prisons even have a happy hour? Well, none of the ones I've been in. Wait, what? What? There's a story there. No. We'll talk about that after the ad. Miss Fee and the Letrous Lawyer is the first book in a humorous, cozy mystery series from by ace author Delilah Knight. On sale now wherever ebooks are sold. Paperback copies are also available, or call your local library and ask them to get it in. Signed copies available at www.corvidmoonpublishing.com. That's www.corvidmoonpublishing.com. All in one word, dot com. The Miss V Mysteries. You need to be reading it. Well, hello, kids, and welcome to our sixth episode of Beaver Bites, our special Eager Beaver podcast episodes covering Election 44. I'm here with our wonderful co-host, Mr. Grizzly. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I have a couple of glasses of wine in me, and I'm doing fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm on my second whiskey of the night, so I'm pretty good. <laughs> Today recording uh, day is uh, September 12th. Uh, we've just recorded one episode for you, uh, but we had a lot to say because we haven't recorded all week and we're doing another one for you right now. Uh, we wanted to divide the topics up. Um, so let's just uh, jump right into it. Why don't we? Please do. All right, kids. So the summer portion of the election, when we assume a lot of people uh, weren't paying attention except for the political junkies and the hyperpartisan diehards. And then we had the kicking the tires phase of the election where uh, it seems that uh, the uh, Mr. O'Toole and the Conservatives were taking the lead. And then uh, things got serious where we started to have the debates. Uh, now it's been three days since the debates and some of the fallout uh, has been happening. And uh, it's been showing up in the polls. You know, it's not usually not abnormal to have a tightening of the race in the beginning. Then, you know, people flirting with their options, and then we finally see where things are starting to line up. Um, 
So, uh, Mr. Grizzly, I know that you have not had the opportunity to pay attention a lot this week. Uh, so I figured uh, if you had any questions about what happened, I'd let you ask them and I would try to answer them. Uh, we talked a little bit about the English debate in the past episode, but not too much. And I don't think I'd want to get too much more into the content, uh, but there were issues with the moderation, uh, which uh, will come up. Uh, in our discussion about what has happened since. Uh, and uh, and I know at the last episode, uh, you were wondering about uh, how things were going. And there have been some interesting developments in the polls. And again, as I always say, there's a lot of people that say polls, I don't believe them, all that kind of stuff. That's fine and very well and good. But I'm a former political communication strategist. I do believe in them. And I watch them more for the trends than the results or the 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 number and right. I watch aggregators and the only, I only watched individual pollsters for outliers. So all biases on the table. We will be talking some polls today. <clears throat> so <laughs> okay. what do you want to know? Well, um, hmm. what do I want to know? It's this, <laughs> uh, I want to know the direction our nation is headed, and I'm really, really, really worried about it. I'm genuinely concerned. Um, <laughs> it's no secret I do not want the reformer cons to get elected. They're mm -hmm. not progressive conservative. They call themselves conservative, but they're not conservatives. They're the reform party. Mm. And they want to take away women's rights. They want to take away your rights. Mm -hmm. Yep. Again, they would label me if they walked up to me and saw me in the street and said, hi, how you doing? I went, hey, I'm pretty good. How about you? They'd go, you're an old stock Canadian. Welcome to the club. And I'm like, um, you can rotate on this. <laughs> One finger salute for uh, the people at home who can't see this. It's because I don't, I don't like to use vulgarity here. Mm. But that would be my response because... Yeah, I know I look like that old stock Canadian. I am the furthest thing from it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, I'm not about to label myself an ally because I don't get to do that. I don't get to do that. Mm -hmm. I would like to think that I am, but that that is an honor that is bestowed upon me, and no one has done that yet, so I cannot say that I am that, right? Mm-hmm. I am a friend, and I will fight for the rights of the downtrodden. I will fight for the rights of those who, who have no voice. Look, I, I was not a big fan. Like, I voted for, for the Liberal Party in 93 when Jean Chrétien was running as... as uh, when he became the Prime Minister for the first time. And uh, I, 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 I held my nose when I voted. And I say that because I was against him canceling the EH-101 helicopter contract. Mm -hmm. And I was also against him canceling uh, the GST, which he didn't do. <laughs> um, and we all know what happened to John Nunziata after that. But the thing is this. I remember in an interview at one point in time, uh, I don't recall who was interviewing him, 
But they said, how is it that you, as a Catholic French-Canadian, are standing up for gay marriage? Mm. And his response made me realize the man actually knew what the position that he held was. He got it. He's like, I am here to represent every Canadian. And I have to represent those who do not have a voice for themselves to speak. My religion does not play a part in this office. So despite the fact that I did like, disliked a lot of the things he did, I suddenly had this new respect for this man who understood what the position of prime minister meant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My religion has no bearing on me doing this job. I have to speak for those who do not have a voice. I have to stand up for those who would be persecuted. So gay marriage is now a thing, and we can thank him for that. And I'm like, why wasn't a thing like centuries ago? Actually, I think a few hundred years ago it wasn't an issue, and then somebody decided to make it an issue. But anyway. Yeah, I I'm just sorry, a million thoughts in my head. (laughs) Let me answer your question. Thank you. Um, At least for the selection. (laughs) I can't tell you where the country's going. going. Um, But uh, we were worried uh, when we did our uh, Care of the Soul episode Mm -hmm. uh, because things looked like they were going in a bad direction. The conservatives were in the lead and it seemed to be that it was about to grow Uh, around September 3rd. They had opened up a 3% lead on some of the poll aggregators and uh, the protests were becoming more vulgar and more violent. Um, Since then, uh, somebody from the PPC, uh, I think one of the writing association person. I'm not quite sure who it is off the top of my head. I can't Mm -hmm. remember, but somebody that was fairly high placed in that writing resigned. uh, And there's been an arrest uh, or charges against uh, someone for having thrown the rocks and they've been charged with um, uh, assault with a weapon. Well, that's good. I didn't know that though. This is, this is, I'm just learning this now. So there, there have been charges, and there, there's been a, a resignation, uh, and uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, from the PA, that person had to go from that position, of course. Uh, you know, there was, there's, I don't think there was any way that uh, that Bernie could have allowed that person in, no matter how you know controversial he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so those things happened, and those are good developments. Uh, not so good developments is that uh, the People's Party uh, is gaining fast, uh, gaining fast. Now it's relative because they were relatively nowhere, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, around last sometime last week they surpassed the Greens and polling, and now their support they're starting to surpass the Bloc. Uh, so some of the uh, polling aggregators have them as the fourth party now. So uh, the dark side is strong in them. Yeah, uh, now that's still at about six or seven percent, uh, but uh, you know, as I was saying a couple of episodes ago about not wanting to feed the wolf with rabies to get rid of the wolf that doesn't have it, um, 
this does not make me happy. And I know that a lot of people are going, oh, well, you know, any vote for the PBC is a vote against the cons, which helps us. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe in this election, maybe in this election. But, you know, the more votes they get, the more voice they get. You know, like if if he had had these numbers when the debate commission had on the date that the debate commission had determined whether or not he could be on the stage or not, he would have been on the stage. Mm-hmm. Like, as in those views would have had an even bigger platform and would have been infecting the political discourse even more. Uh, so, you know, I understand that people who are very hardcore centrists and progressives love that the vote is being split, uh, you know, on the right. But uh, be careful who you're cheering for. <laughs> uh, well, and, and, you know, as I've stated in the past, uh, I have a, a group of guys that I hang out with that are older than I am, and they've been lifelong conservatives, and they've all voted NDP. They already voted at the advanced polls mm-hmm. because they don't care for um, the current conservative leader because he's not progressive. You know, they say, I'm conservative, and I'm like, no, you're progressive conservative. They're like, actually, yes, you're right. That is correct. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge difference between the current oh my goodness like really it's it's the atlantic ocean Mm. between the progressive conservatives and this new brand of conservatism whatever they call themselves conservative and if you want proof you need to know look no further than nova scotia and pei we've got two provincial premiers here who are actual progressive conservatives yes they are (laughs) they're more left-leaning than uh, some of the liberals in some cases i think so you know but but uh, when they say they're voting NDP, they're like, well, they're doing it as a, a semi-protest vote against um, the prime minister. But they mm-hmm. also said in good conscience they could not vote for Aaron O'Toole. Mm-hmm. Because they, they're like, he does not represent what I have subscribed to for decades. He doesn't mm-hmm. represent it. He represents this weird right-wing thing that just, uh, it, it's not representative of a progressive movement. Yeah. Yep, that's true. Um, so when you got 70-year-old guys saying that, <laughs> yeah, like literally guys in my in my Friday pub night, they're anywhere from 60 to 70 years of age, couple of guys my age but i mean mostly older guys and and they're all saying no no i'm voting ndp because i can't i cannot cast a vote for the conservatives and they hate trudeau i'm like why do you hate trudeau what has he done to make your life worse well they actually can't tell me (laughs) they can never tell me and they get mad when i go well what is it that he's done and they can't tell me and they get really mad at me and i'm like why why are you mad at me yeah, but I think you're tapping onto something. Is that, um, you know, when I was, when we were looking to first start doing Beaver Bites, we were hoping to get into some actual issues, like actually have a, you know, a show on climate change and mm-hmm. a show on abortion, a show. And uh, so while the issues are important, you know, and, you know, we've had the battle on the climate change platforms and, you know, battle on the housing platforms and the health care platforms and all these things do matter they they really really do matter this election is not about the issues it's about a feeling it's about a vibe it's about um 
there are people who are vocally, very vocally displeased. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a lot of us who are losing patience or have long ago lost patience with those who are very vocally displeased. Uh, and there's a tension. There's a tension in the air. There's fatigue in the air. There's frustration in the air. There's, uh, you know. Uh, All of the above, absolutely. Kids are back in school, uh, you know, and in provinces like, you know, uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan where the COVID numbers are the worst they've ever been. They're very the scary time. right now. Yeah, and the two premiers are still not going all the way. And there's there's lots of stuff happening, right? Uh, even out of Afghanistan, I think we, we were talking about, like, if this election you know, goes down the tubes for the liberals, we're going to, you know, the pundits would point back at three things, Afghanistan, you know, the fires in BC, uh, and, you know, launching away during an election during COVID, and we weren't sure how these things were going to pan out. You know, well, on Afghanistan, since then, you know, uh, 53 Canadians or our allies have come back on flights since over the, the last two or three days. Mm-hmm. So the promise that we would keep doing stuff after the 31st of August seems to be maintained and there's evidence that it is. So that sort of makes the issue go away a little bit for the liberals uh, on that front. Um the fact that COVID is getting worse in uh, those two provinces uh, seem to be indicating, giving an indication to Canada uh, that you should be concerned of what Canada would be like under a conservative government, because do you really rely on Aaron O'Toole to stand up to Jason Kenney or Doug Ford or Scott Moe? And, you know, he can say that he wants to get, you know, his Canadians vaccinated up to 90%, but as Trudeau keeps on pointing out, you know, and as you pointed out in the in, in the last episode, they they have someone that's only you know partially vaxxed going into seniors' homes. Uh, they're not going to do it for you. No, they're not going to do it. For and you. they don't seem to care. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it might make you happy uh, to learn that there seems to be uh, some shifting in the polls. Uh, I saw that debate. I saw that. And we, yeah, and we have uh, eight days left. Uh, and uh, the momentum uh, going in to the, we actually had a weird situation, actually. We're going into the French debate, uh, the two aggregators that I look at, the CBC poll tracker and mm-hmm. uh, 338. Um, uh, one was saying that uh, on the 8th that the conservatives were on the lead and on the 9th that the liberals were on the lead. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was that close going in, um, but the momentum seems to be seemed to be with the liberals going in a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. and since then it seems to be uh, much more with the liberals. Uh, in the last two days, with uh, CBC poll tracker, in fact, uh, the conservatives have dropped one and a half points, uh, and then the lead that had got to three. Uh, was it about uh, was going slower, going back slowly down, narrowing to about 1.9, and then it just within two point days just completely reversed Dropped and the right liberals are in the yeah. lead again, uh, not by a lot, only about by 0.2. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in vote, but as we mentioned before, when you know the two parties are tied because of the overabundance of conservative vote out west, mm-hmm. uh, you always have to take two or three percent off their number. Of the real number. Well, I, um, I, I'm, I'm disturbed by the amount of people that will vote conservative no matter what. 
It's, just, it's like, well, my daddy voted. I'm like, I, well, you're, what the hell is wrong with you? It's not the same party. It's not. And the know, amount of people that just hate Trudeau because of his name. They can't yeah. even tell me a discernible reason why they, they don't want him as prime minister. I'm like, well, what has he done to harm you and what has he done to help you? Again, no answer. Like well, well he 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 lied in the wee scandal, and I go those are none of those are scandals, none of none of those. Jody Wilson Raybould, don't even get me started on her. Yeah, we won't mention her, even though she had a book that came out, and apparently her name came up about like four or five times during the English debate. Why she's not even a member of Parliament? She walked she's away. A she's a cudgel. Yeah, well, right. I can think of another word that starts with C. I didn't say anything. I just said, I think I can think of another word. <laughs> I'm not going to encourage that. I can think of um, another word. That's all. Yeah. Uh, but here's um, some interesting things. One thing that I keep on telling people to watch if you're looking at polls is, of course, to look at the three largest provinces, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so you have Ontario and uh, it's been going, the trend is slow, mm -hmm. it, really slow, uh, but it started around the end of August uh, where the conservatives started going down slowly and the liberals started going up and the spread's only about 3% now, which is well within the margin of error. Uh, so how do but, we get Doug Ford out of the basement to really make the conservatives drop? <laughs> <laughs> I think in this election it might be Kenny that be the oh he'd be even worse yeah yeah uh, more than Doug Ford because I mean he you know by going uh, going in sort of on vaccine passports he kind of neutralized that yes um, but on Ontario it is happening the, the Conservatives seem to be on a downward slope and the Liberals appear to be on an upward slope with uh, X number of days and that uh, margin keeps on uh, getting very slowly, uh, wider, but wider. Uh, in British Columbia, which was the province where the liberals were getting punished the most, uh, they had started the campaign uh, very uh, much in the lead, probably a good at least five percentage points, if not more. And then as the fires got worse, completely slipped down to third. And they were still third now, but where the spread with the conservatives was about uh, eight and a half percent about a week and a half ago. Now the spread is less than four. Mm. So that is tightened up, but it's really a three-way race where, with the aggregators that I see, like with the liberals, the NDP and the conservatives all being within four points of each other on the main number. Uh, so it is tightening up. Um, and then you look at Quebec, which is the third one. Uh, and in this one, um, uh, we see that, uh, that what happened uh, in the English debate, particularly with that leadoff question, uh, which was asking Mr. Blanchet what it is that he supports discriminatory policies, mm -hmm. and he chose to interpret that because we talked about you know his his victim and humiliation you know ploy, interpret right. that as supporting racist policies, and that she had called all Quebecers racist, and you know, and again that question was formulated unfortunately because it could have been very easily better formulated just by saying policies that some people mm -hmm. 
is racist rather than having declared them in the question as being racist. And the one thing that surprised me about that is aren't pollsters supposed to be the experts at not asking loaded questions? Well, that's yes. That's what they do polls, right? Like they're supposed to go through the question and remove all loaded language to make sure that the question is out neutral. And when they're presenting five options, when they ask different people, they actually rotate the order so that nobody picks the first option first because they heard it first. I mean, they go through all the pains of doing all that. So that really surprised me. And there were other questions in the debate being asked. There was one asked about the costs of climate change like this and the inference in the questions that the costs would do damage to the economy. Uh, there, there were lots of questions like that where, where within the question, uh, there was most often a pro-conservative bias. Without question. And, and uh, I saw a tweet from Angus Reid the following day. Oh, what a magnificent job she did. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bro, what the hell did you just watch? No, no. Like I get There's it, she one- works for you, but come on, dude. Well, and the thing is, is that it kept on getting worse over the course of the night because she had that one. And then uh, later on, um, uh, there was a moment where uh, Monsieur Blanchet was complaining uh, because he wasn't getting enough time. I think there was one segment of the debate where when she finally got around to asking him, I think he had like 12 seconds. There was 12 seconds left. That happened Uh, more than once. Yeah, so there was he wasn't called upon enough, that, and and that was a legitimate gripe. But he kept on raising it again, raising it again, raising it again. And I mean, there was a part of it that was a you know, if you're like really anti-block and don't want to listen to anything he says, you know, you might have like come out of the the debate going like, what what a whiny little. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but he did have some legitimate. Uh, like that question was loaded and mm-hmm. you know he was sometimes cast aside um but uh the and then uh later on as the debate went on and a couple of times during the debate uh then uh, he he complained uh again about when, when on the discussion of time she kept reminding him and the very first time very sarcastically that he could jump in at any time because when he was complaining that he didn't have he wasn't be giving time the moderator did comment accurately that in the open debate questions he has just as much opportunity to jump in as anyone else mm-hmm. when she's so she doesn't apportion the time there uh, but she often cuts people off to let yes. someone else speak. Um, but uh, and around three times in the evening, she reminded uh, all the participants that they could jump in at any time. But you know that these three That's were not a directly debate. directed to him slightly passive aggressively uh, because he had commented on it. Uh, but those are so, the rules of a debate. That's what upsets me. The rules of the debate are uh, question, point, rebuttal. It, you're not supposed to jump over and argue. You know, you're not supposed to talk over the other person. That's not a debate. Like when I took debate back in the fourth grade, if I spoke over the other person when they had their opportunity to speak to me, Mm-hmm. I was scolded for it and graded negatively on it. Yep. The debate yeah. was, the question is posed to each candidate. This candidate gets 30 seconds to respond. 
they respond, then the question goes to the next candidate. They get 30 seconds to respond, and then they get to rebuttal. Yep. And that was not what was happening. No, it's, like, it's not what was happening at all. It, it, have they forgotten the rules of debating? Because clearly they've been thrown out the goddamn window. Yeah. They've been fenestrated, and this is disgusting. Yeah. And the, uh, so, you know, but basically by keeping on going at him this way, you know, it was just feeding the narrative. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, she, when the, I mean, right in the debate was, I was happening. This it's like, Oh my God, I can't believe that she did this. And it was like, this is why you don't have pollsters moderating debates. Exactly. Uh, uh, but it's like, I'm sitting there and going, wow, she must have like, she could have swung the election in a certain direction single-handedly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm looking at the polls and, you know, sure enough, you know, the, over the last four days uh, and I actually the last two days, the block has gone from 26% to 29%. Interesting. And he, because he has the luxury of campaigning 24 seven in Quebec, mm-hmm. He is going to be flogging this dead horse of victimhood and humiliation, and look what English Canada thinks of us. And you know, and you all have to rally against me for the next eight days. Oh yeah. Now, it hurts the Conservatives and the NDP the most. The Conservatives have been dropping a bit like a stone, and so is so as the NDP. Uh, the Liberals are kind of holding steady, but the gap is like narrowed by three percent between them in, in the last two days so the liberals were doing fairly the, the conservatives were doing fairly well they were going to get their 10 seats in the quebec area again and maybe about uh, uh maybe about 12 and uh, the black quebecois was aiming for 40 and they were gonna they were like standing at about 26 they were actually going to lose seats from what they have now and all of a sudden now they've got they, they've got 30 which is like still two down mm-hmm. from the previous election but you know, had the Bloc lost six or seven seats, whatnot, that might have been the end of Blanchet, which would have been very good for the country because he's a bit of a dick, <laughs> uh, as he, he showed in the in the debates, uh, and you know, throughout his political career. So, well, far. and have you seen how filthy his shoes are? Uh, won't comment on that. Uh, did you see that photo though? Did you see the photo? Did see the photo? Yes, like, with him, dude. like this, the super uh, macho, aggressive, uh, with filthy shoes. Yeah, filthy shoes. Disgusting. Not acceptable. Look, <laughs> growing up, my grandmother and my mother always said you can always tell the the character of a man by the way he keeps his shoes. Ooh. Okay. Okay. So yeah, uh, unless uh, something major happens in Quebec, uh, I mean, like. The graph, if you watch it, it's going up like a hockey stick mm-hmm. uh, for the block. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, she might have personally given mouth to mouth to his political career. Yeah. By by belittling and... Uh, editorializing. Yeah. The moderator should not editorialize. It's not the job of the moderator. <sighs> so... That's the situation, uh, at least with the, the polls. And if you're um, looking at them, not the straight numbers, uh, but if we're looking at them in terms of seat count, uh, what's really, really interesting is uh, um, 
how would I put it? The cushion allows those of us who were getting a little bit into nervous Nelly mode uh, a chance to breathe a little bit. Right. Um, 170 are needed for majority. Uh, And up until, uh, you know, uh, again, the moderator did that, uh, O'Toole was tanking enough uh, that certain uh, seat count um, projection. tools were showing the liberals at potentially around 169 again and it was sort of like oh did o'toole tank himself well enough to actually you know hand a majority of the potential of the majority back to the liberals uh but if the block is shooting up like that that will probably remove any opportunity of that mm-hmm, unfortunately mm-hmm. uh but in the seat count uh 338 canada has the liberals ahead by 14 seats at the moment as opposed to behind uh, by about, uh, you know, seven or eight, which was uh, the case about a week ago. Mm -hmm. So that's some pretty, pretty big movement uh, in a short period of time. Uh, And it seems that uh, the main battleground of the, you know, the GTA area appears to still be quite solidly in the, the liberal column. and if we're looking at the CBC poll tracker, uh, that spread is 34 seats, which is even larger, 154 to 120. Um, Big difference. Yeah. And if it's uh, 120, I believe uh, that that would indicate uh, that uh, O'Toole and the Conservatives might actually be losing seats. Oh, what a shame that would be. That would be horrible, wouldn't it? Heavy on the sarcasm. <laughs> We're trying to feel bad for you. <laughs> Look, I mean, this is a political podcast. It's a political show. And we, um, we're both left-leaning. There's no, we don't, that's not a secret, right? It's not a secret. We're left-leaning. We are. Uh, but we will call out leaders of left-leaning parties when they do bad stuff. Oh, yeah. We're going to call a spade a spade. There's never going to be any argument about that. But again, as I've stated till I'm blue in the face, this is not the progressive conservative party. It's not. It's the reform party with a different name, and they want to take away your rights. If you are a person of color, if you are a part of the a member of the Alphabet Mafia, and for those who don't know what that means, that's LGBTQ1A. Um, oh, you never heard that before? Uh, not the Alphabet Mafia. I've heard of other things involving the word mafia, but not alphabet. I alphabet like Mafia is awesome, I think. So if you're a member of the Alphabet Mafia, if you're a person of color, if you're a woman who would like to make her own personal medical health choices, and you vote conservative, you are voting against your own best interests. Because they want to, well, I mean, look, they want to ban a woman's right to make a choice, number one. And you got to remember, well, abortion is wrong. I don't care what you think about abortion. You do not have the right 
to tell another human being what kind of health choices they make between them and their doctor. Mm. Period. Period. I mean, what if somebody decides, I don't like tattoos and everybody has tattoos is bad. So um, we're going to outlaw tattoos. And if you have tattoos, you have to go to a, we're getting into Handmaid's Tale stuff here, right? Mm-hmm. I know people think I'm stretching the truth, but look at Texas. Mm-hmm. Look at what just happened there. Yeah. If you think it can't happen here, you're either very naive or very stupid because it can happen here. And it's funny that you mentioned The Handmaid's Tale specifically because I'd seen an interview with uh, Margaret Ackward uh, a few years ago when the series went to TV. And she said specifically that when she wrote The Handmaid's Tale, she didn't go into some weird fictionary dystopian world of her own creation. She went back into history and found things that had already been done and tried and cobbled them together. And and we're being... story so scary. And we're happening in other parts of the world at that time, too. Yeah, but that's why the story is so scary. Yes. Because she doesn't go into some things that are implausible or well, that could never happen. They are things that have happened and things that we have done. And can happen again if we're not careful, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm telling you, this conservative party, they call themselves conservatives. They're not. They're not progressive conservatives. They're not conservatives. They are reformers, and they will take away your rights. They will. And... They're going to put guns in everybody's hands who wants one. They scare the hell out of me. Yeah. Uh, what scares about scares me about them is that it, it seems to me that since we lost our progressive conservatives, that our federal conservative party is essentially a wholly owned subsidiary of the GOP. It seems that whatever it tries, it you know, the yes. GOP tries that works down there, they try to import up here. And... Um, Said, fortunately, we have more than two parties, so we're not stuck in an R not R two dynamic, and our Thank Supreme goodness. Court is more sound. But uh, well, and our, our Supreme Court can't be just stacked, and it's not a lifetime appointment. I mean, there's a retirement age, and th- there's a process. But it would be nice if uh, our good old-fashioned uh, progressive conservatives could start standing up. Yes. And uh, organizing themselves again. Because they are uh, out there still. Yes, because the last thing we need is more Americanization of our politics. We don't need any of that. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that Aaron O'Toole has been accusing uh, our leftist and centrist parties of trying to introduce that here to Canada. Uh, there's been a particular thing that is... Um, chapped my backside (laughs) i will say (laughs) that's a polite way of saying it yeah yeah (laughs) um so yeah uh anything else that uh, had been on your mind over the past few days no i think i've expressed most of it um i am tired so there's probably one or two other things but they're just escaping my mind at the moment um I am worried about our country. I'm worried. I'm really, really concerned. Yeah. Uh, I'm worried about our country too, but I, I, I am breathing much easier when we recorded that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the compassion episode and the care of the soul episodes. I had a big lump in my throat and, you know, big knot in my chest or, you know, at the sternum area. And, uh, you know, uh, 
I was very tense when we were recording those. Uh, As was I. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I was confident that uh, the prime minister's emotional intelligence ability to work a crowd and, uh, you know, his passion uh, when he would find an issue that he could speak to, which happened to coincide with the crowds and the vulgarity could give him the runway that he needed to turn with this around. And uh, over the past few days, he has been uh, using those skills marvelously. Mm-hmm. He um, has. So, uh, yeah, uh, there's still eight days to go, and that's a lifetime in politics. But uh, I'm a person that believes that uh, the trend is your friend. And right now, the trend uh, is telling us that uh, we can rest a little bit easier. Uh, so. But we still need to do the work. Well, uh, I'm, we st- I'm casting my vote tomorrow. The advanced polls are open Mm -hmm. until the 12th, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., wherever you are. Uh, Vote by mail. You can still uh, order your ballot up until about 6 p.m. on the 14th. It's the 13th, but they are open tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, But you have to get your ballot in by election day. And, of course, then there's the election day polling, which uh, uh, people might be surprised. Uh, You might have heard it in the news, but there are fewer uh, polling sites this year uh, than there have been in past years, mostly because Pandemic. they've needed bigger places for social distancing and schools, for example, have been out of commission because they're in session. Right. Um, so uh, it may take you uh, a little longer to vote, or you may be going to a place that you're not used to going mm-hmm. uh, like a bowling alley uh, or, you know, uh, a big box store that may be empty. Mm-hmm. Uh or something of that sort, uh, but that is not abnormal uh, for this election. Uh, it's there's an abnormal a lot of people time. that are. Uh, yeah, I heard on the radio about two days ago that Elections Canada was still looking uh, for ninety thousand people. Oh wow! Uh, looking for two hundred fifty thousand at the beginning. So you know there's there's a lack of people. Uh, so if you have some time and uh, can uh, work a polling station, please uh, go to the Elections Canada website, fill out something. It's very easy. It takes five or six or seven minutes. They're doing training still until uh, well into next week so uh, they can get you in as an information officer or uh, or a registration officer or, or something of the sort. Uh, and if you happen to be bilingual uh, and not living in Quebec, uh they really need bilingual people uh so uh yeah uh every bit that we can do uh will help but we will have a smooth election uh don't worry about that uh, canadian way just may take you a little longer to vote this time because there are less stations and we're taking more time to make sure that everybody's safe uh, so with that mr grizzly i think that uh We've got a, a decent show. I think so. I uh, I don't have anything to add to it, really. I mean, I, I think I've said everything I have to say right now. Uh, I am I'm tired, so um, I'm I'm bereft of of uh, motivational thoughts right now. I'd I'd love to be able to say something that could lift everybody's spirits, but I'm just uh, I'm physically exhausted. It's been a it's been a rough couple of days, and. Uh, it's late at night, and uh, I'm tired. <laughs> it happens, right? Yeah, yeah, it happens. So, um, 
one of the good things about the show is that when you're tired, you get to take a rest and, uh, you know, we'll take the baton and run for a while until you're ready to come back. So, uh, Mr. Grizzly, uh, we'll give you a time to tap out and get some rest. Uh, and, um, I will offer some, uh, words of wisdom and, uh, positivity for our kids. Um, this is a wonderful country and, uh, we have a lot for which to be grateful. And there's a reason, uh, that down South, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And up here, we talk about peace, order, and good government. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a relatively peaceful country for which we should be grateful. We have a relatively orderly country for which we should be grateful. And at the present moment, we have good and competent government. And for a while, it looked like we were maybe not so grateful for that. But I am getting the sense that even though we might have wanted to see what was on the other side, um, that, as I say many times, Canadians are the savviest voters on the planet, and that we have looked south of us for the better part of the last five years, Mm -hmm. and have seen what could be here. And I'm pretty sure, I have to be confident that there are more of us than there are of the loudmouths and that we will do the right thing again with glowing hearts, go to the polls and cast that vote. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Ah, Well, that's the end of our show. Uh, we welcome feedback in the form of compliments, bribes to be on the show, constructive criticism, gentle corrections. If we got anything factually incorrect, happy stories of things that have happened to you or your dear ones. And we want to know what uh, your plan is to vote. And uh, Mr. Grizzly, uh, our kits again are being uh, very active on our blog page, uh, telling us that they have voted already or that they are standing. Yeah, they're, uh, and uh, they seem very happy to have uh, cast their vote as well. Uh, they're doing it with purpose and, uh, and with joy, which uh, we like to hear. Uh, so, you, yeah, you can uh, share all of that with us on our blog page uh, on Facebook, uh, The True North Eager Beaver, or on our Twitter account, at True Eager. And if you like this podcast, please tell your friends. They can find us on Google, Spotify, Apple, and Mixcloud. We love word of mouth. And if you really, really like this podcast and want to encourage us to do more, we work for tips. Please feel free to buy Mr. Grizzly a cup of coffee or a cup of hot chocolate for me at our coffee page at ko-fi.com backslash eager beaver. That's coffee, ko-fi.com backslash eager beaver, eager beaver all in one word and lowercase letters. From the Beaver Lodge, this is your eager beaver saying until next time, dear kids, it can be a tough world out there. So uh, be kind to and gentle with yourself. And we'll talk to you soon. Hello, kids. It's Mr. Grizzly your friendly neighborhood grizzly bear who is asking you how much you like this program. And I'm asking you if, well, you like this show, you like what you hear, and we're happy to do this for you, if you'd be willing to, you know, throw us a couple of bucks as a tip. And the reason we do this, the reason we 
ask this question is because there are some production costs involved. We're happy to give this to you, but, you know, feel free to send us a couple of dollars over uh, coffee.com. And now the website is ko-fi.com backslash eager beaver. Dollar, two dollars, 50 cents, whatever, whatever you can spare. It helps us with our production costs. Mr. Beaver. That's right, Mr. Grizzly. Uh, If you go to our coffee page, the recommended donation is $3, but it can really be anything you want, Um, less or more, if you happen to like this show especially. Um, We reinvest uh, in the show. Uh, As you can tell, uh, the sound quality has improved since uh, episode one. And, uh, you know, we want to see where this show can go. Uh, Hopefully we can maybe get some correspondence uh, one day, Um, maybe film it uh, for YouTube. Uh, If uh, you guys have any suggestions of what you'd like to see the show become, of course, those are always welcome uh, because, you know, we do this for you. Um, So, yeah, uh, every little bit helps. And, of course, if you can't afford anything and you just like the show, then please, you know, that's quite all right send us some comments, let us know what you think of it. Uh, That means just as much to us too. And don't forget the website. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.